0: bahoy and welcome to undertow being the discussion of piracy literature and all things nautical i'm your host donnie knowles and this month we have nick and charles of the converging worlds project back in the studio here in nassau for a slightly less formal interview i'll be asking them the top 25 questions that kids ask archaeologists and they'll show their true colors as an old married couple who can't decide whose turn it is to load the cannons Since we last recorded, the three of us flew out to Highborn Key in the Exumas in a tiny little baby plane in order to reconnoiter the island where we'll be spending our summer, studying and excavating the oldest shipwreck in the New World. We'll be recording episodes of Undertow live in the field, assuming National Geographic is run by chillers, and I cannot emphasize enough what a pleasure it has been to spend time with these two. They're the real deal, and you can take it from me, a homeschooled filmmaker with literally no experience in the field I'm praising. If you want to help out Nick and Charles with their plan to ethically excavate the oldest shipwreck in the new world, sail over to Facebook and follow the Highborn Key Shipwreck fan page. You can also chart a course to Instagram and follow Nick at Shipwrecking and Charles at cdbendig. If you've got any questions or suggestions for the podcast, you can find me almost anywhere at First. And I beg of you to subscribe to us on iTunes and blast this podcast across your social media like a grapeshot cannon full of old forks. Now, let's dive in. Hey, everybody! <laughs> Welcome oh. back to Undertow. Today was like the hottest day on record. Tell it like it is, Donnie. And I, I'm just suffering from sun poisoning. But it's okay. I just wanted to reintroduce our guests for today. We are here with uh, doctoral student Nicholas Budsberg. Oh, thank
1: you for having me, sir.
0: Of Texas a and and his notorious cohort, Charles uh, Bendig. Oh, thank you so much <laughs> it was for a, letting us be here again. That was a hot day. <laughs> it was. Oh, boy, guys, so hot. To kill them. So, well, today we've got them back in, uh, back in the studio for, uh, for a little bit longer before they head back to Texas, and we thought we'd present them with the, most, the 25 most popular questions children ask archaeologists. Oh, oh that's excellent. Oh,
2: oh, God. Good find. Good find. Uh, tough questions.
0: But before that, how are you guys enjoying your time in the Bahamas?
1: Oh, this has been Excellent. Excellent. Uh, we've had a lot of good meetings so far Go the right way And, mm-hmm. you know, getting the last bits Of our, our excavation planning together uh, But yeah, yeah, no, we, we can't wait This has been an exciting time We get to fly out to the Exumas next week Go to the Spanish Wells As well as Alutra And see if we uh, yeah,
0: can not finish this trip off strong Now, I wanted to ask you before How did you guys get into archaeology? Wow, that is a very good question When did you know? I don't know if I have a short
1: answer. When did Indiana Jones come out? I guess. <laughs> 1960? Um, yeah. Yeah, so I was like pre birth an archaeologist then. Wow. Oh, yeah, that came was. out
0: of the womb that with was, a chisel <laughs> in my hand. Yeah. That's
2: creepy. Yeah. That's very creepy. Oh, uh, that's very creepy. Uh, what about you? Uh, for me, it came down to second grade being an Egyptologist, is what I wanted to do.
0: Egyptologist, that's very specific. Yes, exactly. Did Brendan Fraser have an influence? <laughs> no. It was oh, all, he was the huge mummy no, fan.
2: No. It was, yeah. uh, it was all the books that I read about mummies and pyramids and whatnot. Mm hmm. Um, and then I just was like, I'm going to be an archaeologist. I don't know how, I don't know when, but I'm going to be an e- Egyptologist. And that slowly changed into dautical archaeology.
0: Hmm. You sort of became the opposite of an Egyptologist. <laughs> and no, I know. Well, you say Within that. Within archaeology. You say sure.
2: that. But Egyptologists nowadays are finding boats in the ground.
0: Oh, are they? They
2: are. They've been bringing some of our cohort over from Texas a to Egypt to study the boats. Oh, Absolutely. They also had a recent publication in one of our jur- journals about iconography from a burial of all of these different boats that they drew around the burial itself.
0: Oh, wow.
2: So publishing about that recently as well. Yeah, that's actually a good little story right there. But they found next to, I think
1: it was the, one of the big pyramids in Giza, uh, there was several hermetically sealed tombs Ooh. that just had boat remains within Wait, them. Wait, Nicholas, what was that word again? I'm sorry. Hermetically sealed? Oh. No, that's big. It can't be right. Uh, but they, they had actually lined like the tops of these things to make them airtight seals. Um, so they were these boat uh, parts of this, in, in wood, of course, were buried into these uh, pits. And one of these wasn't actually, the, the seal was still intact. So they could uh, get in and see a lot of these well-preserved remains that they eventually put together into what is known as Khufu's Barge. But it took multiple reconstructions because they found just a bunch of wooden pieces And it took uh, someone after, I don't know, the third or fourth, maybe the fifth time trying to put this thing together. But they finally saw that uh, there was all of these characters that were marked on all of the wood. And someone kind of categorized them all and saw that they had a certain number, but they each uh, were duplicated just once. So you had two sets. And if you just matched each character to each character on another timber, you put the boat together.
0: Oh, cool. It was
1: an ancient Egyptian puzzle, but they did it because it was supposed to be a boat for use uh, for uh, Khufu in the afterlife, uh, but he wasn't a boat builder, so he had to be able to put this thing together on his own when he was in the afterlife, so they made it easy
2: enough for him to do. It's called Ikea 2400 BC. <laughs> Easiest way to put furniture.
0: To do eat. you know if Khufu did manage to put the ship together? Uh, in the afterlife? Yes. Um, I haven't looked that up yet. Mm.
1: Yeah, but there's still time. Uh, there's a lot we don't know in the ar- archives. That everybody could, could uh, have that documented.
0: Everybody in the chat room, please get on Khufu's Twitter. See, <laughs> see what he's up to these days. Oh, he's at Khufu. <laughs> well, where am I? <laughs> uh, what do you guys think is the worst part about your job? Mm. Ooh. Man,
1: Ooh. I did not see that one coming. Because all did of it you... is so rosy? Well, yeah.
0: That's I, I great. Know. I don't have
1: much to complain about. I mean, stuff within the field. We've talked last episode about treasure hunting and nautical archaeology. And so you have things within it that you can look upon and see are not you know, the greatest. Or you're, you're constantly hunting for money and support and things like that. So um, I guess if there's anything that I would feel it's uh, some lack of clarity about what we do with the public. Okay. And so kind of what the actual archaeologist is Not just Indiana Jones That's how I got interested in this in, in many ways But yeah, there's a, there's a lot behind the scenes It's mostly research It takes a lot of the, the shine out of it mm-hmm. So you don't put that into movies
0: Well, is good that, reason Would you consider that to be the, uh, the what, what, do you, what do you think is the biggest misconception about your job then? Or something nobody knows
2: Archaeologically or nautical archaeologically?
0: Nautical, let's say We'll that's started. the subject here. It's on the album art. Right, right. I think
1: that would... Oh God, that's got to be the, the the distinction between what we do and treasure hunting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then even coming down to the, to the Bahamas to start uh, meeting people and talking about the project, generally when I would discuss, oh, I'm an archaeologist working on a shipwreck, those two things still meant treasure hunter. It uh, just meant you were diving on a shipwreck. There's nothing else you would do with it but sell that gold. No one would ever... You know go away from the profit side of it even if you're just interested in it and that's you know, the opposite of what we do um, so if that if that clarity could kind of come out that would be something that would be very nice to have.
2: Do you agree? I do sometimes we uh, have been traveling across the island so far and Nicholas has been so kind so sweet talking to our taxi drivers and whatnot saying why we're here and what we're doing and that is every so often I feel like I have to chime in and say listen we're here to protect the Bahamian heritage and keep it here in the Bahamas. We are archaeologists, we're doing this, and sometimes I feel like it can get muddled in the translation. No, and, and,
1: and here, like uh, we we're studying very early 16th century ships. So, right in that Columbian era, and the Bahamas is very familiar with the Columbus. Uh, but we just had a taxi driver today that was explaining how there's a group trying to get the Columbus statue here in the Bahamas removed. Because he, as viewed in their mind, is this uh, bringer of genocide and what, Columbus. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, that guy. He would never have done anything bad. Yeah, and and so that's one of their what they're petitioning and to replace it with a local Bahamian figure. And so when you're studying something like that era of Columbus in an area that has kind of a hotly contested history with it in a way, and you're not really connecting it per se to the direct kind of modern Bahamian heritage, there's a lot of time lapse in between. From when the Bahamians were kind of founded by the modern populations, and back when the ships we were studying, so there is a disconnect uh, between like that direct ancestry connection, but I think it's important to know that this is still a history of us as not only humans, but what it led to is the founding of the Bahamas, and it's still a history of the islands into itself. Hmm.
0: Goodness.
2: I know, right? Oh, yeah. we just got super deep, gentlemen. <laughs>
0: Well, that's
2: that Nicholas in a nutshell, though. I apologize.
0: Oh, you think Nicholas is a, is a verbose heartthrob? He's a deep
2: philosophical man, ladies and gentlemen. You should know better.
0: For, uh, now, this is an audio medium, of course. There's not a lot of visuals. Mm. Do you think you could describe Nicholas for the people at home? <laughs> Seven tentacles. And a charismatic
2: beard. That's all <laughs> that needs to be said.
0: Seven ten-
1: yeah, similar to that, uh, that character on... Uh... Cthulhu? And not, not quite, yeah, actually. Well, on a, a, a bad day. I was thinking of the Caribbean, the, uh, the old one. with. The, oh, Davy Jones? Jones. Davy Jones, yes, that's probably
0: what it's going Cthulhu light, for. I say. <laughs> well, now I think it's about time we get into the 25 most popular questions. Those weren't the 25 questions Oh, no, yet? Oh, not man. yet. That Kids Ask Archaeologist found here on fpangoinpublic.blogspot.com. Good hit love it. Number one, can mummies okay. come back to life? Oh, that's a, that's an obvious question. Yes. <laughs>
1: We've all seen the movies.
0: Now, I hear you have yeah. a mummy at your school. We do. As a professor. yeah. And so he is still walking around. Sort of old school. Uh, I guess yeah. that counts. Perfectly preserved.
1: That counts. So. Um, you never know. You know, there's a lot of stuff we haven't seen yet. Number two. God, so optimistic. Right? Do, do you not agree? You think mummies are, like, dead forever? Oh, God. Why would people go to so much effort oh, to mummify something this is just if they didn't intend for it to this somehow come back to life? Every,
2: every day. Every day I'm he just does saying. this. Every day. I'm like, Nicholas, t- don't bring up living mummies again. We're in public. Please well, stop. it's an important topic. It needs to be discussed. He's just a small child with a dream, ladies and gentlemen. Just a small child with a dream. What?
0: I've been watching this dynamic all week, and let me tell you, kids, it has been a blast. <laughs> Number two. Have you ever found a dinosaur? No.
2: No. No.
0: Oh, oh, okay. But I have
1: something I can throw back at you. Sure. So I was uh, fortunate to be diving on the Page Ladson site in the Osceola River in Florida. And it's a human habitation site, uh, generally considered one of the first or one of several pre-Clovis sites. Um, And we were uh, excavating underwater. And it's a very dark river. It's very hard to see. Uh, And a good buddy of mine, Rodrigo, came down with his uh, light helmet to shine enough light on the situation. And we had found uh, several remains of bones of what seemed to be a giant sloth from several thousand years ago. Uh, And there was uh, kind of a a matted uh, material associated with them. And the others at the site had explained to me that that was actually mastodon poop. So while it's not a dinosaur it's a per se, I found some extinct megafauna bones as well as some feces. Wow!
0: <laughs> and that leads perfectly into question three: What is your relationship <laughs> with mastodon poop? Oh, that's, oh, that is the top question. Have of children. There. All right, I'll find. It. I'll find a different question three. Uh, it's uh, a very close
2: relationship. I'll answer it. It's been <laughs> in Nick's face many times <laughs> underwater. Yeah,
0: <exactly. laughs> it's actually true. Uh, I want to toss this one to Charles. Oh. Is your job dangerous?
2: <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. In many different forms. Uh, diving underwater is a very dangerous sport. Many people die when not doing anything. And some
0: people die when they're doing things. And you Maybe got- not many. <laughs> and it is a sport. You guys consider yourselves athletes. <laughs> uh, well, we train rigorously. <laughs> yes. Those, I can tell by the sweatbands you're wearing right now. Exactly,
1: exactly. I never stop training. I'm always wearing my gym clothes.
0: You had a close encounter with a shark. Is that not true?
1: It
2: is true. But, I mean, I was it was a great white, right? No. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was a great white. You shot an uh, <laughs> air tank was... into its mouth? Oh, yeah? God. <laughs> it was like a 25 like foot yeah. bull shark? Yeah. You guys are building this up way too hard. No, it's everyone not out there is considering, like, saying, "Oh, Charles has been de- dealing with hammerheads. He's been war- <laughs> fist fist-y cuffing everything he sees underwater." No, I, uh, I've swam I literally like over on top of a sleeping nurse shark before without knowing it. So I mean, nothing major and exciting. You no, know, the nurse shark is a vicious species, though. A nurse, yes. Yeah. The, the nurse part of it makes it very it's vicious. known for its suckling. Oh,
0: god. And you, and uh, you guys, I remember earlier had some tips for. Uh, Avoiding shark attacks? What was that you did?
1: Oh, yes, I've been told this, so I haven't tried it. But if you're diving underwater and you are in a shark encounter, so to speak, maybe not when it's like actually biting you, thrashing around, I don't think this would do anything at that point. Uh, But if you're in an area where you're uncomfortable and there's a shark nearby, you can use your backup regulator and purge it, and the bubbles and the noise will scare the shark away. Again, I'm not saying I've tried this... I'm not advocating for going out and attempting this. Nicholas is not a but. You know, I am just... curious if you do it, let me know. I'd like to hear.
0: Yeah, so I'm just email us here at the podcast. <laughs> email us here at the podcast. Uh, uh, have you guys ever seen anything made out of bone?
2: Ooh, uh, made out of bone um, depends on what you describe as bone. If you say ivory, then yes. Okay, no, bones, not ivory. Uh, we're gonna vary. Two separate things. Right. Tell your ivory story. No, <laughs> no, no. Sorry, Nicholas said I can't talk about it. No, oh, it's you can not tell about your ivory story. Oh, fine. It's a good story. Uh, so, there was a time when I was working on a 16th century wreck, and I was dredging out the mast up, which is where the main mast is, the center mast you see on most tall ships nowadays goes into the bottom of the ship. And so, when I was excavating it, I found what was basically ivory uh, personal grooming kit. Mm. Fully, mo- almost all of it intact. It kind of looked like almost like a Swiss Army knife. It had a base section, all of it hand carved, by the way. Uh, very looks very similar to the ones we found off of, that they found off the Mary Rose in the past. Uh, and it comes with a small knife, a small spoon, and a small little fork. And it looks like it was missing one other one that we weren't able to find, unfortunately. And somebody uh, bought this and then carved basically a bosun's whistle on the back of it. And so one of the conservators uh, at where we were working, actually realized it and blew into it, and you can still hear the whistle, the same whistle that was blown 500 years ago. Perfectly intact. That's very cool. It is. I did not know that. Yeah. I know it's not bone, ladies and gentlemen. I apologize, but it's hybrid.
0: Yeah, that's really good, though. Do you go into caves?
2: Mm, um, Mm. Those similar to us have and could.
1: Um, I don't personally. I think that gives me the heebie-jeebies underwater. I'll leave that to the braver People of
2: the world.
0: Cave diving is very dangerous, right? It
2: is extremely dangerous. It has a higher risk rating than, yeah, average standard it diving. It requires a lot more training before you're actually able to go and do it. Um, but
1: that being said, um, I do know of some um, finds that have been found even in the Bahamas where, um, for example, uh, a Lucayan uh, burial canoe, it was kind of uh, a small canoe two feet maybe in total uh, but it was sunk intentionally in a blue hole and on it was the bones or the body at the time of an infant that had died
0: oh and they had
1: supposedly ceremoniously uh, sent the the grave down and it sunk to the bottom of the blue hole and then it was uh, kind of pulled by currents and things that flow through the blue hole into one of these little chasms before it was found wow and it looks intact and there's still bones around there as well and Hopefully no one messes with such a site because that is a remarkable thing and obviously very very sacred as well.
0: Now, could you give us a couple of under facts here, Mm. as in the Lucayan Indians?
1: Oh, yes, I'm sorry. So um, So the Lucayans uh, are a Arawak group of people, um, and they were inhabiting the Bahamas and uh, some other areas nearby, including Florida, Um, and they were all but wiped out, so the record books say... Uh, kind of post-Christopher Columbus within a few uh, decades of his arrival. So there's not a whole lot known in the historical record of interactions and things between Europeans that were writing these things down and the Lucayans that they often enslaved, sometimes Mm -hmm. because they were very good pearl divers, especially in the southern Antilles.
0: That's good. Charles, what's a blue (laughs) hole?
2: Blue, blue hole, blue hole is, what, what a wonderful segue. Um, blue holes are. <laughs> oh, that's right, that's right, public audience. Uh, <laughs> yes. bad. Oh God, blue holes are sinkholes uh, in the water, basically. Uh, so these are base. Usually, often used, they're collapsed caves that become huge holes down that go deep down uh, into cave networks. Sometimes and, and so, they're blue and they're. <laughs> And their depth make them a dark blue. Oh, because mm. specific. Yes, um, but I guess what was the original question? The original question was about bone, wasn't it, or something like that?
0: Do you ever find gold?
1: Um, uh, yes, uh, I have not, but many of us do. And unfortunately, I have not found any gold. Curses. I know, right? I That's know, what everyone always just, wants uh, to know. Wants. But gold doesn't tell you a whole lot beyond the um, the artifact that it's made, if it's a coin, if it's something else that it's gone into. Mm.
2: So. Yeah, I mean, gold is something that archaeologists usually don't want because it doesn't give you as much information as a lot of the things that people pilfer and ignore. Hmm.
1: And a fun fact about gold, sure. it doesn't tarnish underwater. It stays shiny gold. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. Yes. That's great. <laughs> uh, what do you do if you find a bone at the beach? Can you pick it up? Ooh, Ooh. That's a very interesting question uh, um,
1: It will depend This could probably become a complex answer yes. But I'm not going to give you one <laughs> I think you're safe to uh, assume If you find a random bone You might just want to leave it um, You don't know if it's associated With a site or anything like that That being said, the odds are It probably is not uh, and even if it was from a site or something at one point, it's probably disassociated from that site. So there's not a whole lot of information a random artifact or bone might be able to offer.
2: Segway, that goes back to our previous discussion about provenience and context. Right. If you listened to the podcast first one. podcast, you would have known that. Go
0: <laughs> <Kids. laughs> back to episode one. Learn this and more. Uh, here's a good one. Can't I collect things from a shipwreck found at the beach? Ooh, Charles. No. Well, <laughs> the- laws are
2: different in different countries and different places. Uh, for the most part, usually it's a big fat no uh, because there are laws, especially in places like Florida, where it is illegal to touch said artifacts or wreck in it's of itself. And you also have to remember a lot of these shipwrecks have a lot of human remains on them. So what you're doing is basically perfundering somebody's grandfather's grave at that point.
1: Yeah, it's it's. I would say it's always safest if you find something cool like that the fun part is to be involved with it somehow. That's mm-hmm. what we would all mm-hmm. like. Um, but the damaging part is just to kind of take something or break something and go away. I mean, report it, talk to people. Archaeologists love to interact with the public. That's who pays their salary. And so the more interested the public is, chances are the more funding will come the archaeologists' way for all of this. So you, there's always odd things to be involved and actually do a really good job and learn something from them.
0: But what if I find something in my yard?
1: Then there's, there's different laws about private ownership and things like that, uh, so you probably have to consult your nearest real estate
0: professional. <laughs> yeah. Red jacket type? Well, yeah.
1: If you find something that's clearly archaeological, again, report it, and if you'd love somebody to come out and be able to take a look at it, uh, you still have control of your own land, so you can let them in or not. But
0: I, I heard there was a pet cemetery out back of the trails around oh, my really? house. Yes.
1: You can dig up the old uh, pets that might have come through the orchard.
0: Ironically, you don't have to. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, Wow, okay. All right.
2: Surface finds. Deep sorry.
0: Next question. Do you ever find things in burials that shouldn't be there? Oh. Oh, burials that shouldn't be there? Of course. All the
2: time. I mean... Well, I mean, that the shouldn't part is tricky. Well, because... For an archaeologist, you don't know. I mean, depending on how old a burial or whatnot is, you won't actually understand or whether or not you know it's actually supposed to be there or not. Because it could be the most isolated find in the world, or it could be something where an archaeologist is, is doing the first real research of its kind, and after digging up that burial, he oh, researches another place or another location starts finding a common trait, and then it no longer becomes unusual.
0: Hmm.
1: Here's an interesting one, though. There was a mound uh,
2: that they excavated,
1: I think, in the 1890s in Denmark, I would like to say. Oh my goodness, now I'm going to have to check my facts. But um, it was a gentleman that knew of this mound, and there were stories associated with it. And after he started digging into this mound, he found the tip of a boat. And so he decided to excavate top-down, bringing this mound down. And what it turned out to be was a burial pit for a king. And he was buried on a boat within this uh, kind of whole enclosure, this whole setup, sacrificial animal bones were found alongside it, uh, all sorts of different artifacts and, and things with it as well. Uh, so it's, that's very unusual, I would say, to find, but probably pretty traditional for the people at the time. Yeah.
0: For more on this, everyone please read The Mound by Howard Phillips Lovecraft. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever take your families or friends out on digs or uh, dives?
1: Yes. Yes, we do. And sometimes they're our best workers. Uh, We need a lot of volunteers in these projects, which is why it's good for the public to be involved. Mm -hmm. But it's it's a perk of knowing an archaeologist, you know? You'd like to be involved, get your hands dirty. Or wet.
0: But it's not, a, it's not against the law, or doesn't violate anything? To have uh, no, oh, no, no. As long as they're
1: on board and they're a part of the project and everything else, and they have whatever qualification they need to be doing their task. Mm. I mean, not everything in an archaeological dig is a highly qualified thing. Sometimes you just need people to help go clean, move stuff around, carry buckets here and there.
2: Take pictures, fill so, out Excel sure. spreadsheets. To make sure tags are written correctly Little things.
0: yeah so does that mean the nerds at home could just volunteer for expeditions uh yeah
1: you can there's actually lots of groups that do try to put people onto archaeological projects major ones uh, and just connect volunteers with archaeologists
0: now we need an app for that so no, we do we do what is your favorite place to conduct your work bahamas <laughs> that was easy. why is that uh,
1: um it's
2: beautiful the water is clear. Are you sure it's it clear? It is warm. Uh, it might be 85 feet instead of 100 feet. And it has
1: all of the things I'm really <laughs> interested to, from uh, early populations to age of discovery type of stuff to pirate age things as well. Uh, there's, there's tons of
2: maritime history here. It's, it's just a great place to be. bite. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Visit the Bahamas. You know, the thing about nautical archaeology and archaeology in general is we, we are a traveling people. We travel all over the world to work on... Like gypsies, yeah, traveling gypsies. had traveling gypsies with a set of skills. Like trowels. With travels and sets of skills and scuba equipment. But true, I, like Nicholas said, I mean, the Bahamas are beautiful. The viz here is great. And I have to say, put in there that fact that most of my experience has been in Blackwater Zero viz, where I'm upside down. I don't know what I'm touching except possibly shipwreck, possibly a rock. I have to go by feel. So that anything where I get to be somewhere where there's actually any viz is fantastic to me whatsoever. Mm. But I have to go, again, we have to go where the shipwrecks are. If there are, and if we study something like 16th century shipbuilding and there are shipwrecks in the Bahamas, we have to go to the Bahamas. Mm. If they're in some type of Blackwater River that has no viz, that's where we go.
0: Are there any historical figures that you find inspiration in?
1: Mm, does Donnie Knowles count? <laughs>
0: Not yet, but <laughs> yeah, give, it, yeah. give it 60 years. What a, what a
2: fantastic man. <laughs> You'll be our inspiration. <laughs>
1: um, I don't know, that. Charles, you got any others? Mm, I don't know. I think there are lots that you can pull little things from, but no one's jumping from my
2: Nobody, mind. Nobody, you know, nobody's jumping in my mind either. That's specifically amazing. I mean, we can talk about the fathers of so many different things. Sure. Um, processualism with Lewis Binford, the father of Northern archaeology, George F., George F. Bass, I mean... These are pioneers. They made the groundwork for where we are today, and we always tap our hats off to them in every class we go to and whatnot. But Nick, all of a sudden, has an amazing thought. Oh, that mouth is open, and it's uh, there's an index finger in the air, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Nicholas has the floor.
2: Jimmy Buffett. <laughs>
1: Jimmy Buffett well, is an inspiration to humanity. Oh God. I think he should
2: achieve samehood. I apologize. I thought it was going to be a brilliant thought by him. It, it was a brilliant thought. Yeah, was it was a failure. No, Jimmy
0: Buffett so is the gentleman change. who recently got involved with uh, neopaleontology. Is that true? Neopaleontology. I can't wow. answer that question. <laughs> I don't know. I think I saw him volunteering at a particular world. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: He <laughs> was such a wonderful... He did
1: have an amazing um, cameo. Yes. I think, in yes. a yes. recent Hollywood blockbuster.
2: Sure. Oh. Yeah, classy gentleman. Classy mm. gentleman can I, Jimmy, can Jimmy I, if
1: you're listening, come dive on our ship. Oh, park. God.
2: Can I at least mention that archaeologists are not paleontologists? We do not study dinosaurs, FYI. I just want to make that clear with everyone, because there's a lot of mixing right now in this podcast. It's true. It's mm-hmm. true it's good stuff to have these, if, are, if, these are just kid questions true <laughs> <laughs> so I don't we know we're taking we pretty seriously like, there might be kids listening Don I just want to tell the children hey. if you find dinosaur bones find a paleontologist not an archaeologist and kids
1: dream big you guys are going to be the future you...
0: <laughs> take it from Nicholas right dream big I thought that was pretty deep oh. unquote Oh. Boy. everyone's laughing uh,
2: yes yes every time I'm with you I'm laughing
0: who's your favorite pirate And you can't pick the same (laughs) pirate. Charles, you go first. first. There you go. (laughs) Fourth volume of robber It's
2: Black Bart. That man had his own warship and did not fear death. That's a good one. I know, he captured so many ships. That's a good one.
0: What did his flag look like?
2: Oh, wasn't he dining with the devil? Oh, that's a good one. I believe that's the one he was. He he was maybe even was stepping on a sandglass or an hourglass. Mm. yeah. And he was having cheers with a skeleton or the devil. Sounds but, very Captain Morgan. And, well, oh, he's a good one. Cap- Captain Mor- Henry Morgan. I don't think he had a flag. Oh. He, fly- he flew underneath the British flag as much as he could. Prick. Uh. <laughs> Ozer You say that, but I think Charles II enjoyed it. <laughs>
0: uh, how Did do you know how uh, Black Bart died? He was...
2: Let's see, if I remember all this correctly, I'm sure somebody somewhere is going to email you in and say, no, excuse me, that's not how it goes, but as if I recall correctly, Black Bart was uh, off the coast of Africa, he was fighting, I don't know if it was the British or the Spanish... I think it was the British. It was the British. It was the British that were chasing them down, caught them, there was no way for them to flee, and so rather than fleeing, Black Bart decided to fight tooth and nail to his death, which he did.
0: Well, congratulations to Black Bart. We're going to take a break for one moment while I answer the door.
2: Thanks for having us.
0: And we're back, guys. Yes. Uh, again, we're with uh, uh, future doctors. Oh, um, I like that. Nicholas B. <laughs> and Charles B. <laughs> yes, yeah, sir. Years ago. Now, we were discussing the, the, the heroic pirates native yes. to our wonderful country here. Uh, Charles stated that his favorite pirate was Bartholomew Black Bart Roberts.
2: Ooh, well done. Correct, sir.
1: Good one. I think he had the most, uh, vessel captures. Did he? any pirate.
0: I mean, for the points.
1: Like, above and beyond. Like, hundreds.
0: And, uh, Nidilis, wh- where, do, where do you hang your hat in terms of, uh, piracy? You know, it's...
1: the more I read, the more I love different pirates. hmm I will have to default to my original and just go with Blackbeard.
0: Blackbeard?
1: I think Blackbeard as... An amazing story behind him,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and the fact that we have Queen Anne's Revenge, kind of there's a question mark in there, still making sure. But the possible ship,
2: known possibly as the Queen Anne's Revenge. All those things, Charles. Yes, yes.
0: Now, listeners, I am an enormous fan of Blackbeard as well. He uh, he's a he's a very charismatic pirate who used his image to do a lot of his killing for him. And uh, Ed was on the record of being a very humane pirate.
1: Yeah, I heard that, that there's actually no account we can find of him murdering someone or something. He
0: made it easy for people to die. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I think that final battle where that Scottish Highlander apparently decapitated him was probably uh, his, his highest body count. Uh, do you go with uh, Thatcher Teach? Um, I'm a big fan of
1: teach, I think it's tech, but uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> or as the pirate museum says, tech, uh, teach. But you know, either could be good. Mm-hmm. Either could be good. That's cool. Yeah, now, I you. know, th- I know.
0: There's a record of the Thatches of Bristol, where he is allegedly from. But of course, if 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 uh, Blackbeard is as sensitive as everybody claims, maybe he would want to protect the identity of his family. Well,
1: that, that's a good point. That's a good point.
0: And if so, teach. Could kind have of done more work than teach Could have gone a little further. Yes. Why do you like Blackbeard? Um,
1: just a lot of the mystique around him. The whole uh, the presence that he would also he would ask permission to be able to run the ships, to captain the ships of so the crews that he would uh, kind of have sailing for him. So it wasn't one of those iron fist types, but mm-hmm. he was still incredibly successful. Uh, I think we talked about this, but he put the candle wicks. In his hair, after he would wrap them up and light them, going into battle, looking like a crazy man.
0: People would think he was the devil. Right? So that's, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's just awesome. <laughs> it's <laughs> hard not like to I say can, have a love for Blackbeard. If I could quote uh, Blackbeard in Assassin's Creed Black Flag... Uh Caution's nothing without charisma.
1: Oh, hey, that's, uh probably <laughs> sums him up nicely. Uh, if, a, if
0: a man plays the fool, it's only fools who obey, but appear to be the devil, and all men will submit.
1: <laughs> oh, I like <laughs> it. Oh, man.
0: That game's great, everybody. <laughs> there there really go. Everybody go, go play that yeah. game. <laughs> Plug. Uh, yeah, they need my yeah. help, definitely. Where is <laughs> Ubisoft with the money? <laughs> Uh, Have you guys ever used a treasure map or a a map of any kind like that in Mm. order to locate wrecks or other sites? Uh, I don't want to
1: say, yeah, we used a treasure map per se with the whole X marks the spot and things, but we certainly use old charts uh, to try and locate different shipwrecks. Sometimes there will even be a wreck marked on an old map Uh, because they knew about it and it's been recorded since it sank but it kind of got lost in modern reiterations of that map so you can look back and find
2: the wreck you're looking for on a map Uh, that certainly happened
0: I'm sensing skepticism from you Charles
2: no 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 I mean (laughs) The thing, the thing about, so archaeologists don't usually use treasure maps, yes, because there's not really that, that many out there to follow an next to lead to treasure, per se, and Nick is exactly 100% correct. I mean, we usually use maps that might mark a wreck here or there over the years, and when we find multiple maps that mark the same wreck, it gives us an identity of possibly going to search to find a wreck. But when we get back further further back in time, uh, like when the Spanish first arrived here in the 16th century, there wasn't as many maps, And so we had to use a lot more of what they said and wrote down rather than visual aids. And so we had to go with whatever they wrote in Spanish about said Pedro wrecking over on this said island off of this said beach and describe it like this, and then you have to go off of that and figure out which island and which beach.
0: Wow. I know. I'm not not sure which which culture to describe this to, so forgive me. Let's say it's the Vikings, but uh, but I recall uh, in one of the great courses they talk about how there were people whose job was to stay awake and basically remember where the ship was when <laughs> they were going from place to place.
1: Uh, Dead Reckoning was a way
0: of navigating.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, keeping things online and shore. you're expecting certain landmarks to pop up, and you could judge your relative position based on those. Man, Absolutely. I should
0: have called this podcast Dead Reckoning. Dead Reckoning. Dead Reckoning. There we go. Damn. Damn. Name Damn. Uh, With a W. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Reckoning. That's your podcast. All right, Dan, yeah. we'll, we'll, switch. we'll switch. Everyone, go to Dead Reckoning Podcast <laughs> right now. <laughs>
1: Copyright. Nailed it.
0: So you, you guys talked a little bit about the active site of the Queen's, the Queen Anne's Revenge off of North Carolina. Um, I remember hearing you guys saying QAR in shorthand. Mm-hmm. Queen
2: Anne's Revenge, QAR. The uh, Beaufort Inlet Island Shipwreck.
0: Can you guys talk a little bit about that? I now I remember uh, Blackbeard famously abandoned the Queen Anne's Revenge and much of his crew, taking off with a smaller vessel that he transferred a lot of the treasure and valuables onto and leaving the others to be caught. Um, is this uh, is this is this accurate? Have you found the 40 cannon Queen Anne's Revenge or how? Uh, tell us a little bit about that and the people you know working on it. Well, we.
2: We are fortunate to to know multiple people working on the supposed Queen Anne's Revenge, and why I say keep saying supposed or beautiful Inlet Island Wreck is because... You're professional? We are professionals, and we cannot say for certain whether or not we have the Queen Anne's Revenge because we don't have a smoking gun. Uh, We don't have a bell that says the original name of the ship before it became the Queen Anne's Revenge.
0: Is that because... and And that must be because the ships are captured and often named on the fly?
2: Yes. Pirates name their ships on the fly, but... Things such as the ship's bell wouldn't change. It would be the original name of the ship when it was built.
0: Now, are there any are there any active clues towards it being the Queen Anne's Revenge? Mm,
2: I mean, they've found multiple cannon. Uh, mm-hmm. They haven't found, I believe, the exact number that was recorded of what the Queen Anne's Revenge has. But every year, I believe, they've gone out. They've found one or two more. So the number is going up closer to the amount that's supposed to be on it. And it matches the general location and wrecking kind of
1: event that we know about that we would expect it to have. Uh, so there's, it's kind of one of those uh, coincidental evidences. It's oftentimes like building a lawyer's argument, as many arrows as you can have pointing in one direction until it would be foolish to ignore it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But yeah, bells, too, uh, there they're, can be great tools, but they were rarely made with the ship's name on them, just as like the Widow is a very famous wreck that was found. The bell had the name on it. Oftentimes they're just bells, and not even every ship carried a bell. Mm-hmm. And so very very rarely do we have that true smoking gun that you could actually say for sure so much of what we do it depends on enough arrows pointing in a direction that common sense would lead you to say this is plausible
0: well it's, it's it you know there's there's dozens of famous pirate ships like the queen Anne's revenge the standard revenge uh the uh, ranger rangers um, multiple yeah absolutely now it's it's but it but it sounds very difficult to identify a pirate ship yeah
1: um then the historical record can be a huge help there depending on how specific the documents can be sometimes you know exact where well, we lost the vessel here and there this is how we lost it and if you can do a detailed search of that wreck uh, documenting where things are within that assemblage like we talked about last podcast the context you can match that up to what you would expect after this described wrecking event the uh, theory that we know behind site formation processes there's a little archaeology for you oh oh uh, but if it if it seems plausible that's it's usually the best way we can do it and, and we kind of go with yeah that most likely guess
0: uh is there is there is there a place you guys would like to go next is there like an end game that mm. you're interested in or or is this or is this just the ideal
1: I think we live in the dream right now. Donnie the uh, game is afoot.
2: <laughs> the game is afoot. The afloat. game is afoot for the rest of our lives. Or is it afloat? Who sunk these ships? Uh, pretty much. That's how it's gonna go. I mean, let's be honest. The shipwreck we're working on is a fantastic wreck. It has so much character, it has so much potential for research. It will even though we're going to excavate it hopefully in a six week season, we are definitely gonna spend the next two or three years of our lives studying and publishing as much as possible, either in public record or public things, or also in academic journals and whatnot. But what happens next after that? Well, it's a I don't I can't say for Nikolai, but for for myself, I can say that the next thing for myself is to continue doing this work to research and find other shipwrecks from this time period. This is what my specialty is, and I need to answer specific research questions. Mm. And one wreck alone will not do that.
1: Oh uh, yeah, Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, the wreck
2: he was talking about was the the
1: Highborn Key shipwreck that we mentioned last time, and that's why we're going out to do some of this work on because it seems to be one of these very early vessels that we don't have described well in the historic records, don't have good images of, but it's the same ship type that Christopher Columbus used, Hernan Cortez, a lot of these well known uh, kind of explorers and charters throughout that period, it was the ships that first circumnavigated the globe, etc. So it's kind of a kind of a cool big thing that led to the modern world, and we know very little about them, how they sailed, how they were actually built, all those kinds of things.
0: we we'll be getting more about the highborn key shipwreck in a future episode where we will go into depth on the possible history of it, the make of the ship, and what the project plans to do.
1: Yes, we'll get to visit the the Highborn Key uh, Marina uh, here soon and go chat with everybody down there. And the
2: Uh, beautiful Exumas. Oh,
1: it's
0: just a horrible place to work. (laughs) Miserably ugly. Exumas, Uh. famous for its pig population. (laughs) Its swimming pig population. population.
1: And its thriving iguana population. Of course. As well. Of course. It's also home to what's one of the few places in the world where a... we might have to Google this organism, but it lives on the beaches of the Exumas, and it's arguably the oldest, if one of the oldest organisms on the planet, uh, tracing its lineage back. And people come to study the beaches of the Exumas just to study this uh, this organism out there.
0: You're talking about Jimmy Buffett
1: again. I, I am actually talking about Jimmy Buffett. You knew
2: s- it's so well preserved with that it's margarita uh, salt.
1: Rum is an excellent preservative. So, these little organisms, uh, they're known as stromatolites, and they've been surviving and growing on these beaches for a very long time, and it's something that even uh, NASA is helping to fund in the past to, to understand more about because they go so far back into our planet's history.
0: So, speaking of NASA, uh, are you two only interested in older shipwrecks, or would you be interested in surveying, for example, NASA's spaceship graveyard? Oh, that's so interesting.
1: Um, interested, Yeah. Uh, it would be one of those things that you could probably sit down and actually develop some really interesting research questions on about how that's kind of changed through time. We, we have a lot of that documentation, I'm sure we could find NASA kind of building and developing these things, but oftentimes there's a lot that archaeology can see from those remains about how those things might have changed through uh, kind of one repetition after another, what was best, what was worst. But it's not something explicit always. Uh, but yeah, it would be kind of interesting to see what
0: you could find from studying something like that. What would you guys be doing if you weren't doing this?
1: There was a time in my life I said I'd be a
0: baker. A baker? What? Yeah. Of breads?
1: Of breads and other fine things. Like like a breakfast baker. I mean, I'd have like pigs for bacon and chickens mm-hmm. for eggs. I'd do it all. That sounds like a dream.
0: Wow, a bed and breakfast?
1: Yeah, and then I have to serve others. I just want it for me. A free-range farmer? Oh, no. See, see, this is why I didn't become one. I'm just conflicted. But I like to wake up early, so that helps. And I like bread and bacon.
0: The only qualifiers, I think, for yeah. sort
2: of job. Yeah. So cinnamon rolls would not be on your, on your recipe. Pack. Actually,
1: that kind of goes back to your early, earliest question. How did you guys get into this? When did you know you want to be an archaeologist? And there is a point in my life where I was trying to figure out what I thought I wanted to do. And I made a massive list of all the different occupations or things I thought would be interesting. And I found that list uh, about a year and a half back and on it was archaeologist, um, But I had crossed it out. Uh, I didn't want to be an archaeologist because and the answer was, well, this would be awesome. But I probably won't make any money or be able to keep a wife, so I might need a different job. So fortunately, I found an amazing wife,
2: and I get to be an archaeologist. And uh, I stopped being so worried about money. (laughs) Do you have an answer? Unfortunately, I've always wanted to do this, so I've never really thought outside of the archaeological historic sphere of what I could do outside of it because this is what I've always wanted to do. If you had to choose right now, Mm, that's a hard question. I don't know. Stripper? Don't Mm, probably not. Ladies, he could pull it off.
0: Oh, maybe he could be like a strip choreographer.
2: Guys, so... yeah, just teach others. I need to choose soap very quickly, apparently. Yeah, you Otherwise, should. We'll choose gonna... for you, and <laughs> right now we're doing excellent.
0: Uh, Nicholas, tell us about your wife. <laughs>
2: oh,
1: <laughs> uh, her name's Sarah. Mm-hmm. We actually, uh, we—I'm going to say we—so I, I can take some credit. Creepy. We have a soap company called mm-hmm. Raw Soap, R-A-H Soap. Shameless plug there. Oh, it's shameless. <laughs> uh, but she is the... Yeah, the the creative mind, the mastermind behind everything there, and they are wonderful products. Um, but yeah, she has been supporting me on this journey for a long time, so this wouldn't be happening without her.
0: Where where could where could people go to find your soaps?
1: Uh, at uh, our Etsy store, uh, and it's just a raw soap, R A H S O A P. You can find us on Google. Wow, I know, right? Uh, what is what
0: is so? What is the uh, what are archaeology conferences like? I heard they're boozy. <laughs>
1: they. <clears throat> <clears throat> Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know yes. if there's an adjective for it. Uh, boozy, yeah. Boozy, Let's yes, say, of boozey. course. Uh, they're wonderful. I think all of them you know, range in, in their definitely
2: depends. Well. Definitely depends. It's a lot of fun.
1: You get multiple, multiple rooms with lots of interesting kind of symposiums, and you can wander back and forth from presentation to presentation across the spectrum of what people are doing. Best chance. And then you spend the evening drinking with the, the your favorite future archaeologists and all of the ones that you'd like to know.
2: So,
0: And of course, there's the archaeology cosplay contests. Cosplay contests? Yes.
2: Nick, we've, we've been missing out. I did know this. I should have I brought my snorkel to the last one. <laughs> yeah, Indiana Jones is coming.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Actually, is that, I, I, mean, I am curious about that. Do a lot of people dress like Indiana Jones? I like, do. Like, uh, I'm not an like, archaeologist.
2: <laughs> like, somebody in our profession just naturally dresses that looks like Indiana Jones? hmm Yes. Yes. I know many, Yes, actually. I, I, I can't say that they
1: naturally look like Indiana Jones. Sure. They've been influenced. But having a wide-brim hat really helps when you're out in the sun. Mm-hmm. The clothes are practical. I, I support it. We should all go Indiana Jones. Man, Man purses are galore. Anyway. There's a lot of fedoras in the archaeological world. Not that many whips, though.
2: We need more whips. <laughs> no, no, we don't. Well, they don't work underwater, Nicholas.
0: Yet. Oh, good point. Uh, so, dive knives. Dive knives. Dive I've knives. been interested in getting a dive knife for a very long time. Uh, Wait a dogs. minute,
2: Donnie. Was this on the children's questions list? Because I don't <laughs> think this is about that.
0: Oh, we've gone past. This is now the uh, high schoolers top 25. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the high schoolers.
1: What uh, do you need to outfit to be a nautical archaeologist? Now,
0: here's a controversial opinion. Dive knives look stupid. <laughs> True or false?
2: <laughs> that's a hell of an opinion. Oh, wow. That's uh, crazy. I think they look awesome. I mean, if you buy the right one, they look <laughs> fantastic. Now, I know a couple people, <laughs> I have a couple friends who, who are underwater archaeologists that have knives that are pretty much the same size as their calf, and that's not necessary whatsoever. <laughs> it's not necessary at all. At all. It's almost problematic. How Wait, are you going to pull that fun. out Yeah, right. and put it back in? So... No, I. I mean, knives are great. Knives come in different shapes and sizes, like people. Uh, It just depends (laughs) on which. Hey, hey, this is a a serious conversation. No, that's going to be a tagline. Yeah, exactly. Knives come in different shapes and sizes. Like we're all about knife positivity
0: here. Right? Uh, Yeah, we don't uh, say anything. We're hopeful. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, to each their own. I own. I had two dive knives, but I currently only have one dive knife, and it's about mm, seven inches long or so. But this is um, radio; we can't see your fingers showing how big the knife is. I did describe it as seven or eight inches long. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you can calm down over there. Sorry, in the your corner. fingers showed yeah, it was like three I'm inches long. Sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, maybe you're uh, oh. overemphasizing oh. reality. Oh. oh, hey,
0: hey, hey! Put your knife away. Oh, sorry, <laughs> calm down. Sorry. You sorry. Friends. sorry, sorry, sorry.
2: But yes, I mean, we, we they come in different shape sizes mine's pretty standard and it has a point to it. So... Oh, you have a point on
0: your knife? I do oh, have a that's, point. that's how you know he's... What is the point of your knife? He's not serious. <laughs> oh.
1: Well done. Well questioned, sir. Yeah, a diver really uh, shouldn't always have a point on their knife. Suck it. It can be very hard to see how to put that knife back in, and you're actually using it right next to you, your gear, to cut line. Some Nicholas,
2: you people are careful with their knives <laughs> and sheath them in a very deliberate way. Uh, uh, now we know it's it's lies.
0: What, co- what kind of uh, dive suits do you guys wear? Are they shorty suits? You got long suits? What do you got?
1: Oh, just the most fashion-forward things you can imagine—plumage, <laughs> some rhinestones. Um, mine's made of
2: neoprene. Sometimes I wonder if I'm experiencing underwater carnival with him. It's, it's a wetsuit.
0: Speaking of underwater carnival, yeah. I hear that if you go a particular depth, you become—you start to gain the symptoms of being drunk. Could you guys talk a little bit about that? And have you had any personal experience with this? Yeah. Well, I haven't
1: had personal experience with it. What's it called? Stories. Um, the shorthand is called being narked. Yeah. <laughs> nitrogen you know. narcosis is the full name. <laughs> uh, essentially, when you get to a certain depth you're breathing uh, compressed air, uh, that partial pressure of nitrogen starts to build up and it can influence your brain. Um, I don't know if they know exactly why this actually happens. It's but, still
2: something they're trying to study. Yeah, it
1: mimics the symptoms of kind of being drunk and the deeper you go. It doesn't happen to everybody. It happens to some more than others at different depths. It's not really really sure, but yeah, after a while you can kind of get tunnel vision, you can lose your inhibitions, you can obviously kind of be goofy and silly and not really know what's going on down there, which can be unsafe while diving. Yes. Uh, it's, it's easily solved, though. The nice thing is you can just uh, ascend a little bit, and then that symptom kind of goes away. Mm-hmm.
0: Does anyone chase this dragon? <laughs>
1: I think there might be some uh, Yes. Yeah, those deep divers, that's why they love it so much. <laughs> 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 there, I, I've been told at one point that uh, one one uh, diver was going down, and uh, she was a marine biologist, and she was very interested in lots of the the life. Uh, but she got to a point where she started feeling narked. Essentially, she didn't know that at the time. It just kind of creeps up on you. Um, but when her fellow diver came over to see what she was doing, she was just kind of holding something in her hand, and chuckling at it through her regulator.
0: And this is this is a, uh, a very environmentally friendly woman? Uh,
1: it tends to be, yeah. Yeah, the marine biologist, very interested in the, the species and everything. Uh, but she was holding this, and I believe it was a nudibranch in her hand. Um, and when the diver kind of asked her if she was okay, giving that okay sign, she immediately went... <laughs> and just smushed this thing. Um, but that had to do with the symptoms of being not, not thinking clearly about the situation.
0: Now what is a nudibranch? I, th- I think
1: it would be best described as a kind of sea slug. It can be very colorful, a lot of little uh, spines and things coming off it. You should get on your phone and, and Google nudibrox, and you'll be very entertained.
0: Wow. Uh, what do you? So do you interact with a lot of sea life when you guys do these dives? And if so, what, is, what are your favorite animals to encounter and your least favorite animals?
2: Yes, we uh, we encounter every shape and form of creature underwater. Sometimes uh, it can be a blast uh, when we have the viz, of course. Uh, I think my favorite fish to encounter are damsel fish because damsel fish come in so many different colors, which is great. But great singers, you're, they're just, just the Long fantastic. Hair. You know, they three nights a week up on the you know Ritz. No. <laughs> 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 But damselfish are territorial. They, they choose a small plot of land that they live on, and they kind, they kind of are little gardeners underwater. They grow little plants that they might eat and munch on and whatnot. And I've experienced multiple different types of damselfish in different locations around the world, and they get very territorial, and you can just simply put your finger there. And I've had the chance to meet one on repeat of dives where I put my finger in its territory, and I clearly am not being deliberate. I'm not harming its garden. I'm not doing anything mean to it. I just put my finger there. It seems to see, see me as a giant threat and it will just pucker its little mouth and just try and bite me as much as possible.
0: Oh my gosh, does that hurt? No, it's just <laughs> really
2: annoying after a while. Least favorite sea creature humans.
0: Oh. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so those... you, you, you subscribe to the bathing, ape, the waiting ape theory. Yeah, the, the swimming ape oh, theory. Gosh. Absolutely. Nope. Don't run those, nope. into those things
1: in the water. Nope.
0: That's where the split happened and we became mermaids and by megalodons? Uh, I think that's that's about accurate. Saw a documentary about it. <laughs>
1: don't tell Dr. DeReiter. Yeah, no.
0: Wait, hold the phone. <laughs> Do y'all have a paranoid mermaid, Professor? <laughs>
1: no, no. Uh, the opposites. Paleontologist, firmly studied in these.
0: things. Who's <laughs> taken a strong stance against the controversial <laughs> has opinions? Did against... mermaids exist? <laughs> yes, mermaids, in particular.
2: People can get angry about so many things. Wow, <laughs>
0: dangerous opinion in this field of academia. Right? Yeah,
1: a lot of people saw that Discovery Channel special. Uh-huh. Uh The mermaid is real, and it's not. <laughs>
0: my, favorite, my favorite part about that special is how they is how they how they just like relish. That they haven't said mermaid yet, you know. The whole time you're just like waiting for them to say mermaid, oh, and it takes them like thirty minutes. And before that, there's that woman who says they uh, they they have like a shot of a mermaid. I think it was in a tank or something. And uh, and she and she talks about what she saw, and she's like, hands. They had hands, <laughs> and you're like, say mermaid. <laughs> it would be a lot easier. <laughs> oh, sort of funny. Man.
1: yeah that, that video did some damage I think <laughs> <laughs>
0: Do you guys enjoy the thought of sea monsters? Or is, there, is there any oh, large animals that you're interested absolutely.
1: in? Oh, absolutely! the deep blue sea is full of mysteries. hmm Some, I'm, I'm still surprised when we see these sea creatures be pulled up by fishermen and things. hmm Uh, yeah. Such as. Oh, uh, I don't know their names. They look translucent and terrifying.
0: Are you referring to that Russian deep sea fisherman, for <laughs> example? Yes,
1: yes, that gentleman, for example. Everybody,
0: Google that Russian fisherman. R- <laughs> just
1: that should find. <laughs> me. Oh God. But yeah, there's some cool stuff
0: down there. I suppose it is kind of nuts that we have the colossal squid and we're very blasé about it.
1: Yeah, we haven't talked about those kind of things much.
0: Yeah. Oh,
2: I thought that was something just drawn on a map. Yeah. I do or re- in movies.
0: Speaking of mermaids, though, I do recommend... <laughs> like we didn't talk about
2: the colossal squid. I, <laughs> well, here, here,
0: here. I, uh, I recommend that everybody goes and searches up footage of, from a Russian fishing boat. Where a colossal squid comes up right next to the fishing boat, and they're just like pointing at it and saying Russian things, and then um, <laughs> of course, and then when it when it descends, uh, head down, tentacles up, it, it bears a striking resemblance to what you might think of as a mermaid. Oh, that's oh. very interesting. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I've I've heard similar things about a lot of the the mysterious creatures that we've described in the past are loosely based on misinterpretations of the actual world. Uh, there was an actual photo I saw, and this is one thing that Philippe Castro showed me. Uh, but it it's, looks like a giant human skeleton, fully laid out, arms, legs, uh, and then it looks like it has a skull with just one gigantic eye socket. Oh. It's absolutely, it looks like a cyclops, uh, but it turns out it's something that happens to elephant bones. After that elephant dies... They, they turn into people. They turn into giant people <laughs> with one eye. No, you sassy man. Um, they, when they die, the bones kind of flail open in the arms and legs. But just open up and look like a, kind of an anthropomorphed person. Really? But, the uh, yeah, the, the trunk and some of the other soft stuff will uh, rot away from the skull. And the whole thing kind of rolls forward. But then it shows kind of this different look to the skull.
0: It looks like a giant eye socket cavity. So
1: these things might be based
0: in reality. How disappointing it is to live long enough to know that. I know, right? Just <laughs> die first. Um, is there anything else you guys want to talk about in particular? I got nothing. <laughs> I think we've been doing great. Uh, you guys ever seen a ghost?
1: Uh, nope, nope.
0: <laughs> uh... <laughs> If you guys, if you guys, uh, okay, if you were to have any superpower, Mm. besides invisibility and teleporting, and you can fly, those are the good ones, but you have to have wings, and you can choose whatever wings you want. But if you fly, you have to have wings. You've thought about this, apparently. Uh, This is a holdover from hashtag Podslot. Which, uh, (laughs) Uh, what, which power would you like to have?
1: Big part of me is thinking gills. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, breathe underwater. We've got an Insmith gentleman that in the house. That would be interesting. But I also think not nearly as useful as a lot of other things I could choose.
0: I suppose you do breathe underwater on the reg.
1: Right, so I can kind of do that already. <laughs> It'd be fun to take out all the gear, though. That would be kind of Very cool. freeing. Um, otherwise, uh, to, to like, instantly create matter of any kind into any shape or form. Okay. That wasn't on your X no list, right? So. Oh, you
0: know, I never would have expected. You were just like, uh, God. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, then. Have yeah. you met Nicholas? Come <laughs> on now. What about you, Charles? Oh, man. Somebody's got to gotta stop this God. <laughs> uh, what are you going to do? <laughs> You know what, I think I'll just... Uh, I can both breathe underwater and make it I'll just be
2: there. a Birdman attorney at law.
0: Okay, cool. I think cool.
2: they've done that. <laughs> Have they? Yeah. Have they? Oh, <laughs> man. Now, is
0: there an... A sp- yeah, maybe you don't know this. Is there an air law? An air
2: law? An air law.
0: An, like law that takes place specifically in the air? Or archaeology that takes place specifically in the air?
2: Air law? Uh, air law.
1: Like uh, like, like skydiving in like archaeology?
0: What? Yeah, I suppose that's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I can <could> do that.
1: <laughs> I'm okay with this. Um, there is space archaeology. People have tried to popularize recently. Mm-hmm. Is it that mostly, a,
0: the research of satellites? or um, It mostly
1: has to do with using satellites to do archaeology of, of the world. Okay, Not that's necessarily cool. like excavating them, so which a, you might
2: be able to do at some point. There's a lovely archaeologist uh, who uses satellites to look for pyramids in the Sahara. Outside uh, of Egypt and, and Ethiopia and in and and that region.
0: Is that how we discovered the, I remember, satellites or when we discovered that the pyramids had more signs than we expected?
2: I don't know if that was her work, per se. I am sure uh, But, I mean, that's one version of, of space archaeology. And she's done TED Talks about it and wants other people to just go out there and use the satellite imagery like Google Earth and just look around. Hmm. And see what else you can find. That's out actually there. a great way the public can do directly what archaeologists are doing.
0: As a member of the public, I could say any way you could pretend to be one of you guys is a way that we <laughs> accept.
1: Uh, that would be very cool, though. I'd like to do that too. Uh,
0: are, is there any reading or watching or listening that you guys recommend in order to inform yourself better? Have you found any any particular authors that you enjoy in, the, in your field?
1: Wow, that's a very good question. Mm. Um, I th- it might come down to what your real interest is, is within archaeology. It's so varied. Anyway, classics, uh, t- he was talking about Egyptology earlier, uh, Central America. We do underwater stuff, lots of Native American archaeology. I think one of the most stimulating things I ever got as far as a book for, about archaeology was just some of my intro textbooks. I remember buying way too many different versions of introductory archaeology textbooks. Because they all had something slightly different and just learning about the concepts from that overview perspective was eye-opening in mm. lots of ways.
2: I mean, Nicholas made, made a great point. I mean, it really depends on what, you're, what, what makes you excited about archaeology. What is the topic that really gets you interested? And there's just hundreds of books out there to do that. If it's just what is archaeology, there's a book called Down to Earth, uh, an introductory archaeology book that really, if you sat there... And you had a good weekend it's only 13 chapters long and you can learn everything about what how archaeologists do everything and put you in a better place when you want to volunteer to work on archaeological projects i can tell you that much um but if it's like something specific you know, we have.
1: Well no, if it's nautical archaeology, you can always look to the work of George Bass. He's one of the most uh, famous, popularized uh, archaeologists, and kind of regarded as the founder of nautical archaeology. The first
0: a, guy he, to. He had a leg up because he was a fish. Is that right? Yes, that really
2: oh, helped. Oh, don't say that. not <laughs>
1: The George Bass. Don't say that. Uh yeah, yeah, he him, his work, uh, also the work of, of
2: Dick Steffi. I mean, there's a wonderful book out there that if people really wanted to know more about nautical archaeology, just nautical archaeology in general, what we do. It's called Wooden Shipbuilding and the Interpretation of Shipwrecks. Now by, this one is thick. This by, one is
1: a dense read for an introductory. By J.
2: Richard Steffi, by the way. Okay, now I'll you, be impressed
1: if you can just pick pick that up. It
2: Richard. is it is thick. And yet, it will give you the most well rounded coverage of what nautical archaeologists really do. Absolutely.
0: It's 2017. Sure. People don't mind a little well rounded thickness. Right. Final question Woods Rogers was a dick, right? <laughs> I
2: think everybody
1: agrees.
0: Well, guys, uh, it's been lovely having these two back at Undertow. Uh, in the coming weeks, we'll be releasing episodes about uh, the Highboard Key Shipwreck. That's right. We get
1: to come back in and talk a lot about what we're actually doing on the site here this summer. We'll have a plan.
0: And uh, hopefully we can get an interview with Andrette, who will be doing the art.
1: That would be very cool. The the sculptor we mentioned before, yeah, he's a very talented man.
0: And on the next episode, except uh, expect field recordings done out in Highborn Key and Eleuthera and these various other places, or we can update you on how things are. Yeah, you'd <laughs> all benefit
2: if this was a video based show. But...
0: Could you get your parrot out of here, please? Uh, sure. Oh,
2: sure. Oh, sorry. Get it off your get it off your shoulder, Nicholas.
0: This it's is. It's an audio medium. Yes. Squark. <laughs> 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 he's gone. Well, from all of us here at Undertow, thank you for listening. And, as always, try not to drown, okay? (laughs) Thanks.